Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. In this episode, my guest is Simon Drew from the Walled Garden Philosophical Society. As many of you know, Simon is a good friend, poet, musician, philosopher, and someone deeply interested in life's questions. Today's episode is part two of a series we're calling Living the Questions. The title is inspired by a popular quote from the poet Rainer Maria Rilke, who wrote in letters to a young poet, Live the questions for now. Perhaps then, without even noticing it, you will gradually come on some far-off day to live your way into the answer. In today's conversation, Simon and I explore the question, how to live. We discuss things like creativity and style, the middle way, navigating obstacles, the wisdom of flexibility, being intentional, and so much more. I've really enjoyed the conversation and and hope you do as well. Simon and I would like to invite you to join us in living the questions. Are there any questions that keep you up at night? Maybe you have thoughts on one of our perennial questions, which you can find in the show notes. If so, we invite you to share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear anything that comes to mind around these six questions that we're exploring. I'll put a link in the show notes so it's easy to find. All right. Without any further delay, please welcome the wise and gracious Simon Drew. Can I tell you, Josh, uh, uh, when when I thought about this question, the very first thing that came to my mind was a poem by Bukowski. And I'm wondering if I can read it to you now. Nice. Let's do it. All right. This is one of my favorite things I've ever read. It's a poem called Style. He says, Style is the answer to everything. A fresh way to approach a dull or dangerous thing. To do a dull thing with style is preferable to doing a dangerous thing without it. To do a dangerous thing with style is what I call art. Bullfighting can be an art. Boxing can be an art. Loving can be an art. Opening a can of sardines can be an art. Not many people have style. Not many can keep style. I've seen dogs with more style than men, although not many dogs have style. Cats have it with abundance. When Hemingway put his brains to the wall with a shotgun, that was style. Or sometimes people give you style. Joan of Arc had style. John the Baptist, Jesus, Socrates, Caesar, Garcia, Lorca. I have met men in jail with style. I have met more men in jail with style than men out of jail. (laughs) Style is the difference. A way of doing, a way of being done. Six herons standing quietly in a pool of water. Or you, naked, walking out of the bedroom without seeing me. I love that poem. I love that poem. <laughs> I don't know, because to me, that's another question. Yeah, is is style everything? Obviously, it's probably not. But in a way, I think he has so much that he says there that is so spot on. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Thinking about... Um... Like the question this this week, you know, for for this conversation, it almost um, led me to many other questions. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, well, like, what does it mean to be a, a human? It's like, well, like to live, we probably need to understand like how the mind works. You know, it's like, 
I, I traditionally think of this art of living type of stuff and similar to that thing of style in like creativity, like some of the existentialists talk about um, creativity and I think they're referring to style and things like that, or maybe, maybe something similar. Um, but it seems like some of these big questions like pop up a, a domino of, of other questions like right behind them. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, all of these questions that we're tackling really are questions that philosophers and poets and artists and, you know, theologians have been grappling with for pretty much you know, since the dawn of time. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that like the question of how to live, is there an answer that transcends this particular age? Like, is there a universal truth for, for how to live? I think the, the, you know, looking at various philosophies, you see that there are kind of these common threads that philosophers pick up on or, Perhaps this is always good and this is always good and this is always good. But at the same time, um, the question of how to live, I think, always comes right back to the context of our age and this moment. Um, Yeah, just bringing our attention to the particulars. I mean, this is something that I, I was exploring when thinking about this question as well because I remembered this this passage from Epictetus where he talks about caretaking this moment. And, you know, perhaps the question of how to live always calls us back to the very specific time. You know, can we make broad statements? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very complicated question. Certainly. Yeah. Um, there's a book that I, I like that I, I, I think I mentioned to you in, in one of the, the conversations around this and this guy, um, Daniel Klein, he wrote this book. Every time I find the meaning of life, they change it. And his, it's a quote from Reinhold Niebuhr, but this short little book, it's essentially him reflecting on some of these short aphorisms that he picked up along the way, like maybe, you know, between the age of 20 and 40 or something like that. And it is interesting in the way of some sort of universal thing that maybe that's not the way to, to think about it because we change and like in, in this book, like as he's referring to every time I find the meaning of life, they change it. Well, he finds something else, you know, or some other perspective and, you know, things in life change. You have, you have kids, you have a family, this, you know, like we're constantly changing and our circumstances are constantly changing. But then again, maybe there are these universal things of living in the moment. Cause regardless of what your situation, your circumstances, anything I just listed, you know, you only have the here and now in those circumstances. So it's like there's there's things that exist regardless. And then there's maybe seasons of life where things are not necessarily as important, you know, as they mm-hmm. are at other times. Yeah. So you're saying, like you would always say, uh, that it's kind of a both end situation. <laughs> it's a yes end situation, you know, of <laughs> perhaps there are the you know, how to live. Well, I guess it's the same as how to, how to live well, cause that's what we'd be aiming at. But, uh, on the flip side of that, it always comes down to p- particulars as well. Um, and it, on that idea of, um, you know, every, every time I find the meaning of life, they change it, or I try to look for the meaning of life, they change it. I, I wonder, do you think, um, do you think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by uh, trying too hard 
to look for the bigger meaning or the, um, by expecting that there is some, you know, well, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say if we were to step back from some of these questions and just look at our lives, would the meaning or the, the th- maybe not the meaning because that's not the particular question we're exploring, but would the way that we should live our lives not present itself to us immediately? If we paused and just looked at our lives and said, okay, who should I be paying attention to? What should I be paying attention to? What should I be doing? You know, I think if we kind of step back and just take a very pragmatic look at our lives, I think those things just immediately start hitting you. Um, And actually this is bringing up for me a question uh, that uh, Jordan Peterson once posed. Well, he kind of said, you know, if you just sit down and ask yourself, what are the things that I'm doing in my life that I know for sure if I keep on doing these things 5, 10, 15 years from now, things are not going to be great for me. Immediately, things present themselves to you. (laughs) Oh, I don't do the laundry every day, Uh, do too many drugs, Uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, pornography, whatever it is that is your choice of vice, you know, it's, you know, I'm too angry, you know, uh, I'm not polite to be, whatever it is. It's like whatever your vice is will immediately present itself to you if you ask that question honestly. And just seeing what appears to you. As you're talking about it, it makes me want to bring back Bukowski. Well, what would what would Bukowski yeah. have to have to say? Because he might have a different uh, take in the way of in the way of the vices or the you know that yeah. that type of stuff. Um, but it does make me think sometimes, and something I've I've thought about of you know, do we make this this project of just the art of living more difficult than it needs to be. I don't know. Cause like in a way we're talking, it's a complex thing. It depends. It's, you know, it's a difficult question. This whole, like, you know, how to live a, a, a good life. But like you're talking about, if we're able to, maybe take a look and I don't know, maybe follow some sort of inner wisdom that we might have, you know, is it easier than we sometimes make it out? Like what comes up for you around that? Yeah. I mean, I think this is what I was trying to touch on earlier is, um, do we get in the way in the just incessant quest you know, uh, we talked about this last week, you know, the, the seeker should become the finder at some point, you know, <laughs> uh, that there is this, you know, are we always just like those people who just go to university and get degree after degree after degree after degree, and they're just these career degree getters, you know, and at the end, um, like what has been the outcome of your life, you know, uh, who, who have you served, you know, with all of that knowledge, all of that understanding. And yeah, I mean, you have to step back and take a look and think, look at the gigantic to teach people how to live better lives. And then look at how, look at the state of our current cultures around the world is it really working uh you know is it re- like are, are we finding our way to a more harmonious peaceful life and existence where uh you know i i think really down to earth and just remind you that you know a life is suffering it's always going to be difficult get used to it. (laughs) You know, uh, B, there is no such thing as perfect. Everything has pros and cons, you know. Uh, I I like finding people who have that real kind of earthly human um, wisdom that says, it's okay, you're fine, just get on with it. 
every day. And I don't know, maybe some, I know that I, you know, often fall into that trap of kind of thinking, oh, I'm so close to, you know, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to, you know, feel that, you know, that bliss, that enlightenment, that. But I think even the the philosophers remind us that it's not something that stays. It's It's, you know, perhaps you get a bit of knowledge, but then you're still in the world and you're still up against it every day. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I tend to think that is some sort of extremely important idea of um, like accepting what is. Like it, in a way, it's trying to see clearly, trying to see what is. But then there's another side of that. It's also accepting, you know, what is like that that idea of the dichotomy of control is essentially across all wisdom traditions in a way but i i took a passage just before we jumped on from um i want to say it's jack cornfield's the wise heart it's like a book about buddhist psychology but he quotes this uh thai forest monk um and it says who's uh i ajan samato is, is his name but it's like uh it's talking about like opening us up to the way things are and and this is so difficult to me but let me go ahead and read it it says of course we can always imagine more perfect conditions how it should be ideally how everyone else should behave but it's not our task to create an ideal It's our task to see how it is and to learn from the world as it is. For the awakening of the heart, conditions are always good enough. Like, that is a tough thing. It's like reading it, and I imagine this like might be the case even for some listeners. It's like you want to say, like, yeah, but. You know, you want to put a yeah, but yes, we are trying to improve the world. You know, if there's things that are obviously issues, you know, you, you collaborate, you connect, you try to work um, to improve these things. That's a challenging thing to essentially, I, I think of holding both of those, maybe like the sage has the perspective of the whole but they also at the same time have this mm-hmm. pr- perspective of, of the, the part. Um, and I think there's something similar there. It's like, how can you work to improve, you know, conditions, societies, ourselves, but still at the same time recognize and accept that it's good enough. You know, it's like do that from a pra- a place of, uh, you know, gratitude or gratefulness. Um, it makes me think of that Bukowski. It's like opening the sardines with style. Like, what does that look like? Maybe it's, maybe it connects to something about, you know, some appreciation. It's like, you know, some, some joy. It's like a, a gratitude for, you know, this, this meal, this, whatever it, it may be. Um, but you can still, you know, work to Im- improve things in a, in a way. C- weird though, and and difficult to. I think we need to do a course on opening sardines. <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I think you're exactly right. Um, just in that idea that like it's always going to be a bit of both. There's always going to be a balance. Um, I've been very fascinated with that idea that the sage, according to Stoic wisdom, you know, the sage is somebody who has a knowledge of the the whole and the part. Um, uh, Because sometimes it's important to be peaceful in the whole, to be, you know, to find calm, stillness, prayer, or the worldly things. But then sometimes 
we have to jump into it, you know, and be the human being, the, whether it's the business person or the, you know, the wife, the husband, the, you know, whatever it is, it, these real world responsibilities and duties, they kind of just impress themselves upon us. And I think striking that balance is so difficult and perhaps that's what it is about. It's, it's not necessarily about live this way, live that way once in your life where it, you know, that the elements of the divine and the elements of human life are all taken care of over time um, in, in proper proportions Um and yeah, just that, that I, I think the reason why the, the, the style poem stood out to me so much, you know, we talked last time about somebody who really knows who they are and they're being exactly that. And I can't help but feel if, you know, when people know who they are and they are exactly that, I can't help but think that style is a natural outpouring of of that state of being because human beings are so freaking beautiful and and interesting and you know so much of the time we just live our lives in the shadows not wanting to be seen not wanting to be known you know not wanting to do anything different not wanting to do anything out of the ordinary uh I think most people would be doing different out of the ordinary, interesting things if they were able to just, ah, I know who I am. Yes, I'm doing it. You know? And I think that's perhaps one of the things that's happening with the internet is more and more people are saying, Oh, I have an interesting thing that I'm interested in. I, I, I'm obsessed with the office. Okay. I'm going to start a podcast. Okay. I've got a little community here of people who are also obsessed with it. Oh, great. This is who I am. Let's go. You know, like, look at what we're doing. We're trying to, you know, build a philosophical society and you're doing your podcast and, you know, people are coming together around you because there's something interesting going on because you're doing something that, you know, you know that this is so who you are. And yeah, I can't help but just think that if more people did that, that would be style. What what do you think stands in the way of, um, like this thing of being who you are. I think maybe a a rare thing you could say, but I think probably everyone has met someone that is like unapologetically themselves or something like that. You know, it it like stands out at, at you, if you will. Um, Yeah. What, what do you think? Like stands in the way of that because it seems such a simple thing like who who would want to be essentially someone else or well i i i mean i i feel like sometimes i really struggle with that um you know as i think particularly as somebody and you know, I, I consider myself an artist you know at least a poet um and a lot of the work that i create is um you know very very vulnerable and um, very out there. And I know that the things that often get in the way of me being able to just express who it is that I am is fear and resistance. It's this kind of like fear of what will this person think? What will those people think? You know, um, uh, will this, uh, you know, will somebody think uh, that I'm crazy or, you you know, or think that this is bad or, you know, um, just, yeah, just the fear of, you know, Jordan Peterson, he talked once about, uh, he said that the one thing that humans uh, really don't want is to be seen. We're kind of like zebras where, uh, you look at a herd of, of zebras <laughs> and they're not striped so that they can 
you know, camouflage with the grass because obviously that doesn't work. They're striped because he said like, there's no such thing as like a single zebra. There's only like a collection of, of zebras. And so when a lion goes to hunt one, it sees this giant clump <laughs> of all these stripes, doesn't know how to pick one out. But if he said that when, when researchers went to, you know, find out what was going on, they painted like a stripe on one of the zebra to, you know, to track it. And it was the first one to be caught out and eaten, <laughs> right? Because, because all of a sudden the lion could pick mm. it out. And in the same way, so many people, you know, myself included sometimes, we just, we just don't want to be seen. We want to be with the herd of humans and not have to answer to anybody about who we really are or what we're up to, you know? And so it's just, um, I, I personally, that's, that's what I think. Um, and I, that's what I've noticed within myself. Uh, I mean, do you struggle with that sort of stuff at all? You, you seem like a very, uh, just open, you know, this is who I am kind of guy. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody struggles to a certain extent. Um, for some reason, I've never been one for a lot of external validation and things like that for some, mm. for some reason. But um, the, the thing of, and that was just a natural thing for you when you grew up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't really know why, but um, but obviously there's, you know, we're, like we're social creatures, and I, I'm, you know, I, I've obviously uh, you know worked on on teams and stuff most of my life and stuff like that. So I, you know, I, I do. It is important to me in the way of you know harmony and you know melding with a team and all of that type of stuff I think is beautiful and like in a way for, for me, like that connects with the, the how to live type of thing of how do we, you know, integrate harmoniously, you know, w with, with others and things like that. Um, but the, like you mentioned, like the fear thing, um, like I, I think about that, like quite a bit, like the courage to lead a life. Cause there's this thing of maybe we have some sort of inner wisdom or some sort of intuition that might, you know, give us a desire to, to do this or do that. Or, you know, some might say calling, whatever it may be to do something. But oftentimes like we're hit with some sort of resistance, some sort of fear. Like there's another voice that comes up that is essentially saying, you know, the opposite. What about this? Or what about that? Um, which is a fascinating thing. Sometimes I think of uh, how to live and, and maybe it connects with like our next episode in the way of what is wisdom, you know, even simply adopting a philosophy of life. And this could be a particular wisdom tradition, or it could be just something you create yourself. That takes a bit of courage. It is, you know, even if you say something as simple, as simple as, you know, three days a week, I'm going to go exercise and you write it down or you make some sort of commitment to yourself that you're going to do that. That in itself can take a bit of courage because now in a way, you know, when you miss the mark, like that art of journaling, if you adopt the cardinal virtues as some sort of, you know, guidepost that you want to follow in your life, you know, at the end of the day, when you look back and you're, you know, staring at a blank page, you know, whether you write it down or not, you know, if there were opportunities for you to show up with greater kindness you know, um, and things like that. Um, so it's a weird thing. It's an important thing, but I, I think that connects with something we were talking about in the way of like perfectionism type of stuff of what we might look for in the way of society. And one of my favorite lines is Marcus Aurelius writing in meditations, you know, don't go around expecting Plato's Republic, this perfect thing, 
But that same thing applies to us. Like, how can we adopt a set of principles that we want to live by, but at the same time, give ourselves grace, forgiveness, and come to the realization that we're going to miss the mark. You know, we've obviously adopt a set of principles to live by that are generally a pretty high mark, you know, that are going to be difficult to consistently meet. So how can we, it's like another thing that we have to hold two things at the same time. (laughs) So it makes it uh, complicated until you get a routine. I, I, I mean, if you can get a routine and you can come to accept that, even the thing of like being who you are, like say you find a bit of like a space of, you know, being maybe your authentic self doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay there because situations, circumstances, things change. You know, we're obviously um, in a good way influenced by the crowd to a certain extent, you know, like you and I are both big fans of Seneca like there are perils of of listening to the crowd um but there's there's pros as well you know of listening to the crowd because sometimes we're part of a team sometimes we're part of a group that is collectively working for something that is meaningful so it's you know in that situation then it's it's uh you know a good thing to listen to the crowd and try to integrate and things like that. And I think it's interesting that we keep on coming back to this idea that you kind of have to hold both handles at the same time. Um and yeah, I th- I think you're right, you know, it's it's you mention you know self-forgiveness you know, pick a path or discern a path, but then know that you're not going to go, you know, a hundred percent and that's okay. Cause then, you know, there's a very fine line between self forgiveness and laziness, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I find myself in that trap all the time. I forgive yeah. myself. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> but I could have, you know, and, and, and also, you know, there's a very fine line, between, uh, you know, kind of constructive self-criticism and just, you know, I mean, unconstructive criticism. Uh, It's funny when I started doing philosophical mentoring with people a few years back, I started to notice one of the most helpful things that I would just kind of ram into the minds of the students who would come through is, uh, actually a passage from Epictetus where he, where he does talk about finding a balance between self-criticism and self-forgiveness almost. Um, and I just found that so many of the people who were coming to me, maybe there's a reason for this because they aligned with me through listening to the podcast and I have the same problem, but so many of the people who would come to me had that exact problem. They were just on this philosophical mm-hmm. path and the first thing that they did was just criticism 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 oh my gosh i'm not measuring up here i'm not measuring up there i just had to say hang on slow right the hell down <laughs> like you got to find a way better balance and i just noticed people within a few weeks just saw incredible changes in the way that they walked on the philosophical path just by hearing me say that over and over again and and so yeah i think you're right i mean we we have to have that perfect balance like Epictetus talks about. But yeah, um, one other thing that you just also reminded me of is, you know, like when our bodies are kind of stiff and rigid and our muscles are tight, you know, I think that's a perfect analogy for life. It's like when we're, when we are resistant, when we are fearful, when we're anxious, you know, even in regards to our adherence to the philosophical path, you know, there's a rigidity that just isn't conducive to life. But if we start opening up the body, opening up the mind, uh, find a bit of flexibility, I think it is less about picking a path and sticking to it. I actually think it's more about being flexible in life 
to respond to the particulars of these situations that come to you or these duties or responsibilities, when we have that kind of that flexibility to our lives, I think, I think that is the definition of life to be able to move, to be able to change, to be able to make a different decision. Uh, you know, I think we all know people who, you know, maybe you meet them when you, when they're 20 and then five years later you meet them and how you doing? Oh, nothing much has changed. Okay. They're exactly the same person, exactly the same philosophy. You meet them five years later, exactly the same person, same philosophy. And I think that that stoic doctrine of appropriate action in this moment calls us to be way more flexible and to always have our minds open to what is a better question? What is a better philosophy? What is a better way of doing here? What is a better way of being here? You know, if, if that is our governing principle, kind of like what we talked about last time, then the question of how to live is not something to be answered. It's something to be experienced over the full course of our lives. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but do you know what I mean? It's like the question becomes the adventure. Like mm. In in Buddhism, a central thing is like the middle way, which is essentially what we're, we're talking about. Maybe you could think of uh, some sort of middle way between structure and flexibility. But I sometimes think like in my own experience, like as I'm navigating the way and I'm like trying to find a, you know, a, a middle way. Think about like parenting, for example. You know, there there is a, a middle way of like, you know, being supportive and, you know, maybe setting setting standards and, and things like that and trying to help help kids but the same thing applies to like everything like you're talking about like flexibility there's so much wisdom and like psychological research on the this ability to be psychologically flexible and then on the on the flip side of all sorts of issues that come up from a rigidity of uh you know, disorders, this anxiety and all, all sorts of stuff, you know, the, the research shows is connected with rigidity and stuff, but long, long rambled short is like, in my experience, you don't really know with any sort of certainty what that middle way is, even in hindsight, you know, it's like, you're just kind of doing your best guess, like say the, uh, um, like to use a visual, um, like Seneca's like, you know, you got to know the port, like, but oftentimes like where we're headed, if you think of, uh, you know, and navigating in the, in the sea and stuff like that to use with that same thing, you can't really see the port. It's not like it's a hundred yards away and you can see it. Yeah. That way, you know what? It all you can see is, is, is water you're doing your best guess. Like there is no sort of uh, like if you're um, navigating a ship or something like that, where, you know, you have a compass and we're heading this exact degree. We don't have that in life. We're, we're doing our best guess. And sometimes life calls us to maybe be a bit more structured. So we're over here, you know, this way for a bit. And then, you know, other times called to be more flexible. So it's not even that this middle way is some sort of exact, it's a bit different than like Aristotle's golden mean, um, you know, where there's some sort of exact thing. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a bit, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. I tend to think in the way of obstacles, like, yes, there are some obstacles that we have to persevere through. And it's something meaningful and it matters and we have to, you know, buckle down and, and like some of the popular quotes say, like the obstacle is the way, but then other times we run into obstacles that really don't matter. And the wise response is to simply go around. Um, And it's like to use another visual, like say if we're going to a particular part and there's a, a a particular location and there's a mountain 
you know, sometimes we might have to go down actually in a ravine and navigate our way around to get to this particular point is the wise response over, you know, trying to hmm. go straight up a, a, a mountain. Um, so it's, it's such a difficult thing, but it's an important thing of um, the middle way. Like some of these Buddhist uh, texts, which I'm not any sort of expert in or anything like that, but his first realization, the Buddha is basically goes and essentially lives off nothing, you know, and essentially starves himself trying to gain some sort of in, insight or, in, you know, enlightenment. and it doesn't work. So he comes and finally has a meal. And that is his first realization that, well, oh, maybe it's not, you know, this complete living on nothing. And it's not this other extreme of living in excess like he was in this particular palace. You know, maybe there's a middle way between these two. And of course, that middle way exists between you know, many different things, you know, there is a, yeah. a middle way. Yeah, no, I think that's a, certainly an interesting approach and it kind of just brings to mind for me um, that the middle way, it, it, you know, I was thinking about something that I wrote a few, uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I was actually walking around a mountain and I was writing this as I was walking around what it turned out to be was these kind of 12, 12, like a 12 part series of, of strange mystical poetic writings. Each part had about 12 parts to it. And what I realized at the end, it was almost like a meditation on the way of the sage because it, it talks about things uh, like, you know, mm. when the masses do this, the wise among the masses do this, but then the sage does this. And the sage was always some sort of middle position that balances and keeps the universal harmony, you know? And, and so it's almost like the, it, it, there's this kind of counterbalancing act that we always have to play in our lives in order to maintain the, the, the individual harmony, the family harmony, the community harmony, and perhaps the sage is the one who has perfected that art to such a degree that he or her maintains a universal harmony uh, out of their actions. Um, but it just, I was reminded of that as you're speaking because yeah, you're kind of talking about this, this balancing act of it's always going to be up and down and around and um, you know, you're climbing up a mountain, but you need to learn that, Sometimes you have to go down the mountain in order to go back up, you know, and and that flexibility, but also that attention to the details to be able to notice when there's an imbalance in the personal, family, community, universal harmony, and then to be able to act, you know, can we get to such a degree where we can we can act out of a knowledge of, okay, there's something out of balance here. Okay, well, I need to counterbalance this by doing X, Y, Z. I don't know. What do you think? Am, am I catching on to what you're saying then? Yeah. And I tend to think in uh, visuals for, for some reason. Um, it's in a way counterintuitive. I think especially to like, say my 25 year old self, it's like even more counterintuitive. Um, but there's a, there's a book about Bruce Lee that came out not too long ago. And I, I can't exactly remember the the name of it, but something to do with uh, like popular quote, be like water. He was taught by his, his teacher. It's, you know, to basically it, it's not about resistance. You know, it's about what, what uh, comes up in like Taoism and many, many different wisdom traditions. You might say like go in, in flow of, of life, if you will. Um, but about six months ago, I went down to South Florida after the last big hurricane. I can't remember the, the name of it, but, uh, on my dad's property, this massive oak tree, I mean, just this beautiful 
tree. Massive. You know, the trunk trunk of this tree far bigger than than I am, you know? Completely just toppled over like it was nothing. You know, the, these massive roots like sticking up out of the ground. And then not too far from it, there's this like little pond that my dad has on his property and there's all these like bamboo and all the bamboo are completely fine. You know, and that's like this thing of, uh, you don't necessarily, especially, you know, depending on where you're at in life, you don't necessarily think about, or it's not as maybe attractive to be like bamboo. And that's probably, um, you know, something that comes up in that, in that book and, and what Bruce Lee's talking about, be like water. He, he's actually, he comes to this realization because he's frustrated. His teacher actually won't let him train. He says like, no, just go. You're not quite getting it. Like go contemplate what we've been talking about. And he's actually like, um, um, as the story goes, like punching the water and the water, you know, just quickly reverts back to, to normal. It has this flexibility, um, to it, like a bamboo tree, like this bamboo tree, it's not like some sort of wet noodle. Like it has some structure. It has some strength to it, but it also has flexibility. You know, in hurricane winds where the oak trees are just being ripped out of the ground and toppled over, this bamboo tree has enough flexibility to still withstand whatever, you know, life and the weather may throw at it. And it's that same thing for us of how do we maybe reframe our perspective of what the project is, like you were talking about of, yeah, like flexibility, because life is uncertain, life is unpredictable, essentially, can throw you whatever. How do we, you know, adapt? Because there's just certain things, it's a losing battle to be rigid and to resist against you know, yeah, yeah. A, a hurricane, if you will, if that's the what his life is throwing at you. But then other times, like if you're starting a business, there might be some resistance and some obstacles that you actually have to, you know, hold your ground and navigate your way through. So it's so difficult to know when to do what. But I, I think the important thing sometimes to think about is, you know, what is the project? The project is to, you know, to have strength and flexibility, you know, to be able to be, you know, rigid to a certain extent and, you know, flexible, like, like the bamboo. I love that. It just brings up for me, just the importance of place when these philosophies are developing you know, you think about the Eastern philosophies and you think about, you know, the kind of landscapes that they were forged in and and the trees and, and, you know, I come to America and I seem, I, I tend to think that America is more of an oak tree kind of country. We want people to grow into these towering figures, you know, these strong oak trees, you know, um, uh, and you could equally say that, uh, perhaps the problem there was, I, I don't know if the oak tree was in a forest or just out in a field, but if it's on its own, it's got no, you know, now we need to learn, okay, you can be a towering oak tree, but find yourself in a community, you know, <laughs> be around other towering oak trees, you know. Um, uh, but but certainly I love that idea of being like bamboo. It's such a beautiful metaphor and image, Um you know, to allow the winds of life to come along and and to be able to move with them, to be flexible. But I was also reminded of, you know, just a time when I was growing up and uh, we moved to a new property and um, I bought this beautiful gum tree to plant. And uh, this gum tree, we decided to kind of plant on its own in the middle of um, a field and when we planted it, dad came along and put a, a big stake in the ground because it was already it was already pretty tall. And he tied the tree to that stake so that when the winds of life came along, it wouldn't tumble over soon. But even that, later on, I believe the tree fell down. 
<laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Maybe this is more of a depressing story about <laughs> you, man, you got to get into a community. You got to be around other towering gum trees, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, I think you're exactly right. You know, there, this flexibility, I think this is as close as we'll come to it. Like an answer for this kind of question of how we should live. Yeah. To be like bamboo, to be flexible, to be able to take the winds of life and to bounce back, you know, yeah, I have nothing else intelligent to say. I just love that. Yeah. And the, uh, like you mentioned, I think early in the conversation, something we talked about, like, you know, everything has its pros and cons. Um, like another analogy of, um, like exercise. Sometimes I think of those, uh, uh, CrossFit, CrossFit athletes, extremely like they'll run the mile in five minutes, like crazy fast for, for the average person. But of course, like if that's all you do, if your goal is specifically to run the mile as fast as you can, it's actually not beneficial to have all of this, you know, extra muscle and have all, you know, I mean, essentially high school kids would destroy them in the mile, but they're able to do that you know, in five minutes and then they're able to do this and then they're able to do that and then they're able to swim. So it's like some sort of well-rounded, uh, you know, approach is needed, you know, cause they don't really know what particular test is, is coming. So you have to do many different things. And sometimes I think about in terms of this, like the, how to live and definitely maybe connected with the next, um, episode uh, question like what is wisdom this idea of it's it's many things like yes you could be this specialist you could do everything to run the mile as fast as you can but then life might throw <laughs> it's unpredictable it may throw other things at you and all of that doesn't necessarily you know there's there's pros to that but then over here it maybe is a is a con you know, so uh, like maybe it's an it's an idea of a of a broad approach, I guess, if you will, or a balanced approach, or you know, many maybe it's many ands, it's this and it's that and it's that, which is difficult. Or if you don't have a broad approach, at least uh, have style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I think I think you're right. Um, I, I do think. However, even the the broad approach, I think that suits some people, but then there are some people who are just so hardwired to yeah. go so deep into one direction for their entire life. And it's exactly what they should do. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind actually just quickly reading this quote from Epictetus because I do think that oh, it's so, yeah. it's just so perfect for this idea of, um, flexibility in life because perhaps it's not necessarily even flexibility but what is the thing that gives us flexibility perhaps it is an attention to the specifics of each moment um and 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 a kind of freedom of mind uh to to navigate the specifics but he says caretake this moment immerse yourself in its particulars respond to this person this challenge this deed Quit evasions. Stop giving yourself needless trouble. It is time to really live, to fully inhabit the situation you happen to be in now. And I just think that that goes so perfectly with that idea of flexibility of mind uh, and direction. Because as soon as we rigidly go down one path or believe that this is the right answer or that's the right answer. It's almost like your mind just switches off possibility, you know, and switches off the, the, the very mechanism that we need to problem solve properly in, in our lives. But if, if the most important thing to us is to pay attention to the particulars, to be detailed in our focus of what's happening right now on what's happening right now, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, go, I guess I go back to something I said earlier. I think that the answers will present themselves to us, whereas they wouldn't have before if we so doggedly believed in one particular way or one way of you know, being. Yeah. yeah. Damn, Epictetus was just... <laughs> yeah. <got> it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I think that's probably a good spot to to wrap it up. What do you think? I think so. Thank you, Josh. This is always a pleasure. I love you, man. I really love you. You're a, you're an incredible human being. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots of love right back at you, man. It's uh it's a privilege to connect and chat about these these questions. I I feel so um just fortunate. And uh obviously I understand that it's not everybody's uh particular path to, you know, explore these these questions. Um, but just finding out what that particular path in each moment, you know, is for, for each person, like whatever, whatever that is, you know, like that courage to, to lead a life thing, you know, it's like, how do we each like summon the the courage in some sort of way to lead the type of life that we actually want to lead, um, yeah, it's an mm. it's an interesting, but I think it's an important thing for us all to think about. Yeah, Josh, should we give everybody an idea of what's happening next time, next question, and, and where they can go to submit questions? Or- yeah, let's 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 do that. Let's and maybe we can um, outline all of the questions and then point them to a spot where sure. where we can get some participation. You talk about the questions. I'll talk about where they can go to participate. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. So uh, in terms of participation, we'd love to hear from anybody who's listening into these conversations. Uh, We've built a little web page on the Walled Garden website. It's thewalledgarden.com forward slash living with the questions. And you can go there. There's going to be a couple of forms uh, that you can fill out. Um, one of which is for questions that you, well, the, what we want to ask you is what are the questions that keep you up at night? What are the questions that just burn in your soul that you really sit with and are trying to answer? And that's an anonymous form, meaning you don't have to put your name, your email, anything like that. You can just submit the question and that's all we see when it comes through. Uh, and the other one will allow you to actually give us your responses. If you've been listening in and uh, exploring with us these questions of how to live, what is wisdom, you know, living with the questions, uh, then you can actually go there and give us your response. You know, if there's been anything that has popped up in your mind as you've been listening in or anything that you've learned over your life uh, that might help us to better understand how, how you know, these questions play a role in our lives or what the answers might be, then you can go there and submit your response as well. We'd love to hear from you. Beautiful. And I would love to hear any sort of, uh, you know, if there's an aphorism or a proverb, anything that is maybe running in the background for you that helps you to, um, you know, to, to live the type of life that you're, that you're actually looking to, to lead. So the questions that we're exploring as of now, and the wording may change up a bit, we may add questions to it as we go. Um, But the one we've just talked about is how to live. Next is what is wisdom? Then what is love? What is the divine? Or how should we think about the divine? And then uh, as of now, the final is what is the meaning of life? So obviously lots of overlap and interconnection that happens with these these questions. Um but yeah, that's what we have as of as of now, these half a dozen questions to think about. And one other thing, I would say that even if you haven't thought about some of these questions, it could be beneficial to jump on there and type in what comes to mind, you know, hit yourself with one of these questions, maybe live with the question for a week or so, and then jump on there. And we'd love to 
hear your response. Um, if you want to put your your name on there and you're comfortable with us, uh, you know, mentioning um, your response, then you know, feel free to do so. And, and I think that'll add add value to uh, to this whole experience for all of us. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. You can learn more at perennialleader.com. There you'll find links to show notes, our daily email newsletter, and Reading in the Good Life, a free weekly meetup. Until next time, be wise and be well.